What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. When we last left Jacob, things weren't so good for him. He had come to a very dark place in his life, figuratively and literally. The sun was setting and he was in the middle of the desert. And it says there in Genesis chapter 28, he comes to this place. And that's all it talks about. He comes to a place, a certain place, it says there in verse 10. Just a place. And it keeps using that word, a certain place, a place, a place. In other words, we don't know where he's at. Neither does Jacob. He's in the middle of nowhere and the sun is beginning to set and it is getting dark and Jacob is alone and he is scared. And I can imagine he, he's starting to hear the coyotes call arr, arr, arr. or maybe the wolves. Arr, 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 arr. I imagine they howled deeper and more evil wolves do, you know, and Jacob's starting to look around. This was not the way they're supposed to be, and he sits down and puts his head on a rock. I mean, no things are bad when your pillow is a rock. He starts to shiver because it gets cold, and he thinks, I'm supposed to be the head of the family. I'm supposed to be the one in charge. His mom, Rebecca, had probably told him about the prophecy that was to come that God said the older's going to serve the younger. Jacob's going to be the one in charge. And so he bought his birthright. He tricked his brother Esau into giving him his birthright. And Esau was dumb enough to give it away. And then later on, him and his mom, Rebecca, find out that Jacob's dad, Isaac, is going to give the birthright to Esau, the oldest. And so they're like, we have got to do something about this. And so... They pretend to be Esau. They put goat skin on Jacob's neck and arms and they make him dress up in Esau's clothing so he smells like him and they trick him. Isaac's half blind. He doesn't realize what's happening and he gives his blessing. The blessing that came from Abraham to Isaac and now to Jacob. He got the blessing, but he deceived to do it. And now he's on the run. He's heading to Padan Aram to be with his uncle Laban, who he probably hasn't hung out with for a very long time. It's far away from his family. Esau's older brother, when he found out what Jacob did, is out to kill him. Remember, these are men in their 70s. These aren't little boys. And Esau's angry, and he's out to kill Jacob. So Jacob has to get out of town and he's running. And before he goes, his mom says, hey, when you leave, first of all, find a wife up there with my brother and his family. And then number two, hey, you're only going to be gone for a little bit. Don't worry. And then in a couple of months, when your brother calms down, you can come back. Well, the sad thing is, is Jacob never sees his mom, Rebecca, alive again. 
never sees her alive again. And he never sees his dad, Isaac, or his brother, Esau, or the rest of his family, or that region, for another 20 years. He thinks he's only been gone for a couple of months. No, he's going to be gone for over 20 years. See, what he thought was a good idea to deceive on behalf of God to get this birthright and this blessing that was his. And he knew that God promised it to him, and so he deceived, he lied. You know, that's never the right thing to do. If we know God's called us to do something, we shouldn't lie. God doesn't want us to lie on his behalf. I wonder if Rebecca and Jacob had gone to Isaac and said, Hey, what are you doing? You know that the blessing's supposed to go to Jacob. And maybe if they had talked to him and he would have been reasonable and understood and, and everything would have worked out that way. But instead, they chose the deceptive route. They chose to manipulate. They chose to lie. And now Jacob is on the run for his life. And he's in the middle of nowhere, freezing to death as it's getting dark. He's all by himself. He's separated from family and friends. Things do not look good. And he lays his head on that rock. He starts to fall, fall asleep. When all of a sudden, boo! No, I don't know what the sound of white light coming down from heaven, boo! That's why I envision it. You know, this light coming down from heaven with this noise, boo! It says there in Genesis 28 that God comes to him in a dream. And I believe Jacob sees the dream this way. He sits up and he sees that white light. And in his dream, he starts to move towards that, that white light on the ground. And, and he sees something amazing. He sees in this plain, unknown place, this beautiful light. And in the middle of this light is this grand ladder. Some of your translations may say ladder, but I think a better translation would be like a grand staircase. The Hebrew there gives the idea of a ramp, a grand ramp. And he sees this grand staircase. And I wonder if what he saw was the grand staircase on the front of a ziggurat. Back then, people believed the way to talk to God was in the mountains. And if you didn't have a mountain near you to climb to go talk to God, you built your own. You built a pyramid. You built a ziggurat. Now, a ziggurat didn't have flat sides like a pyramid, but it more had various layers or levels working all their way up to this little temple at the top. And in the front of the ziggurat was this grand staircase that you could ascend to the temple at the top where you could reach God and talk to God. And, and I wonder if Jacob is there looking at this grand staircase. Now remember, it's a dream, but God comes to many people in the Old Testament through dreams. So God is in this dream, and he's showing Jacob something, because on that grand staircase are mighty, angelic beings. It says angels of God. 
And I don't want you to think of these little angels with cute little wings, baby cherub-looking things walking down and up the staircase. Whenever men and women in the Old Testament encounter an angel of God, it is frightening. These are powerful beings. They basically have to say, do not fear, don't run away. Because when a human being encounters an angel of God, they drop to their knees in immense fear. They feel like they are going to die. And the angels have to tell them, don't fear, it's okay. That's how powerful they are. And he sees these angels walking up and down this grand staircase. Then he looks over. And he notices next to him is the Lord himself. Now, some of your translations may say God is above him, maybe at the top of the staircase talking down to Jacob. It could be. Others think, no, it'd be better to translate it that God is right beside him talking to him. And I think that's the better way because God, Yahweh, it's capital L-O-R-D there. And whenever you see the capital L-O-R-D, the capitalized word Lord, you know that that means Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, Almighty God. God turns to Jacob and gives him a blessing. And he reiterates the promise. He turns to Jacob and says, listen, Jacob, I'm your God. And he gives him three things that he's going to promise him. He says, first of all, Jacob, I'm going to be with you no matter what. I'm going to be beside you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be with you no matter what. Don't worry, Jacob. And then the second thing he says to him, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to protect you no matter what. Now think about it, those two promises right there would be a big encouragement to Jacob right in the middle of where he's at, right? He's running away from home, things are confusing, things look dark, he's in the middle of nowhere, but yet God says, I'm here with you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be your God, I'm standing here right beside you. Do not fear. And then secondly, he says, I'm going to protect you. Remember, Jacob has Esau's brother running after him, trying to kill him. And God says, don't worry. I got this. I'm going to protect you. And then he gives him a third encouragement. He says, I am going to bless you. No matter what. I'm going to bless you and you're going to have a family and it's going to spread all over this land to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to spread your people all over. I'm going to bless you and bless you and bless you. He says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bless you. And I think the greatest promise he gives him is I will be with you. What an encouragement that must have been to Jacob in the middle of his dark moment what an encouragement and i think it's the same for us you know some of you may be facing some really dark times maybe you just lost your job maybe you've just been diagnosed with some scary illness maybe you're facing 
you know, your parents divorce and you wonder who, what parent am I going to choose? And, oh, this is horrible. And I prayed, Lord, don't let this happen. And yet it's happening. Where is God in the middle of all this? This is a dark, dark moment. If you know the Lord is your savior, you know, standing right next to you in this dark moment, it's Jesus. And he promises to never leave you nor forsake you. And here Yahweh is promising to Jacob, I, I'm not going to leave you. Things look dark, yes. Things look bleak. But I'm here. And I'm going to protect you. I think the other encouraging thing is here he is in the middle of nowhere. But God is showing him through a dream that I'm working. I am actively working. This spirit world, look at these angels descending and ascending from heaven all the way down to earth right here in this place where you don't even know where you're at. I am actively working. Don't fear, Jacob. I'm your God. I will protect you. Jacob, he wakes up. And after he wakes up, he realizes that this is a special place. This is a wonderful place to be. And he wakes up and he says that this is the very place of God. He says, surely in verse 16, the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Then it says in verse 17 that Jacob says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And it says he takes his stone and right there he creates a pillar to honor God. And he takes that stone that he had laid his head on and put some oil on it and worship God. And he called that place Bethel. And some of you go to churches named Bethel, or maybe some of you are from the town called Bethel. Well, Bethel means house of God or place of God or, or meeting place of God. This is where we meet God. And Jacob is encouraged. And Jacob is excited. And then he says, this is an awesome place in verse 17. This is none other than the house of God. And then he says, and this is the gate of heaven. Now, what's really interesting is that word, that concept, this idea of the gate of heaven. Because like I said, back then they would build these ziggurats and right at the top of them, was this room considered the gate of heaven where you could somehow gain access to God. Well, all the way back in Genesis chapter 11, you find some people earlier on tried to reach God through building their own temple. Again, a ziggurat. God said to go forth, multiply, fill the earth. And the people said, nope, we're going to stick together and we're going to build a temple. and We're going to be like God. And they built this fake mountain, this ziggurat. And at the top of it, they had this gate, that word Babel, the Tower of Babel. Well, Babel, of course, means confusion. He confounded their languages. But many people believe that word Babel could also be translated gate. It wasn't just this tower, it was an attempt to get to God. A 
gateway to heaven. And it's interesting. That's what man tries to do, right? They tried to build a tower to heaven. They tried to build a gateway to heaven through their own strength, through their own ability. But what Jacob saw was the complete opposite. What Jacob saw was God building a gate or a stairway down to earth. All the other religions in the world, you've got to do something to reach God. You've got to do something to get to God. You've got to follow the five pillars to reach God and Islam. You've got to follow the eight noble path in Buddhism to reach God. And in Judaism, you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. You've got to keep the law without breaking it. So all these ways to try to reach God. And what Jacob saw was radically different. Instead, God said, I want to reach down to you. You know what's really interesting? Is the way it connects with John chapter 1, verse 43 and onwards. In that story, Jesus is calling his 12 disciples. And in John chapter 41, we see how Philip gets saved and starts following the Messiah. Then he calls his friend Nathaniel to also follow the Messiah, to come and see. And in John chapter 1, verse 46, Nathaniel asks, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, Come and see, come check out this Jesus. And it says in verse 47, As Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, he said, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deceit. Nathaniel said, how did you know that? How did you know I was that way? How did you know me before you met me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under that fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel realized through that little miracle that Jesus was the Messiah. And then he says in verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then Here's what I want you to hear. In John chapter 1, verse 50 and 51, Jesus answers, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And then he says this in verse 51. And he said to him, Jesus says to Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Whoa. What does that sound like? We're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You're going to see the angels of God. That sounds just like all the way back and Nathaniel being a good Jew would reflect all the way back to the Jacob's ladder, the Jacob's staircase story. And he'd think about the gateway to heaven and these angels descending and ascending. But notice it doesn't say ascending and descending to the son of man. God isn't, Jesus isn't like the new Jacob where these angels were ascending and descending to him. No, it says they are going to be ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
What Jesus is saying is, I'm the staircase. I'm the heaven's gate. I'm the gateway to heaven. If you want access to God, it's going to come through me. I am the way. I am the door. I am the stairway. I am the link between heaven and earth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man's going to come to the Father but through me. And I just want to say it's true today. You know, it's still true today. That if you're going to come to God, it's going to come through Jesus. No other way. And the other thing I want to say is, Jacob, for the first time in this dream, encountered God. He'd heard about God. He'd heard about the stories of how God had protected his grandfather Abraham and had provided Isaac miraculously. And he'd heard all about this wonderful God named Yahweh. And he'd grown up listening to all the stories. But here in Bethel, when God spoke to him directly, Jacob for the first time encountered God. And I want to say it's the same thing for many of you listening to this. You've heard about God. You go to VBS. You go to Sunday school. You've memorized some verses. But have you ever encountered him? Have you ever experienced the life-changing moment with God in your life? And I want to say that one of the best ways to encounter God is to, first of all, get saved. That's the first step to ask him to save you himself. Your parents aren't going to save you. Your baptism isn't going to save you. Your friends aren't going to save you. You've got to encounter the living God yourself and ask him to save you. I encourage you to do that. But some of you who are listening to this have been saved, and you know the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, and I'm preaching to myself, how often do I encounter God every day? Do I spend time with him, listening to him, reading his word? Letting the Holy Spirit convict me through God's word? Do I encounter God in prayer? Or do I just relate him to this about God? Am I encouraging my kids to encounter God on their own? To meet him? Or am I satisfied with just letting them know about God? Well, Jacob, finally encounters God. He has a new encouragement in the middle of his dark times. He is going to move forward now with a renewed hope. And in response to all that, he says in verse 20, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, verse 21, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord will be my God. God comes to him with unconditional love and says, I'm going to be with you no matter what, Jacob. I'm going to protect you no matter what. I'm going to bless you no matter what. And in response, Jacob gives a condition. If you do that, if you fall through, then yeah, you'll be my God and I'll be your servant. If, 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 if. Jacob's encountered God, but like us, he's stubborn. He's still stuck in sin. He's still stuck in the flesh and 
It's years later, Jacob's going to finally come to this point where he finally trusts God completely, but not at this point. Well, he goes on to Padan Aram, and he gets all the way up to the area where his uncle Laban is, and he starts asking around, hey, hey, wh wh where's Laban? H have you heard my uncle? My uncle Laban, and he bumps into some sheep herders, and they're like, oh, yeah, we know who Laban is. Yeah, 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 we know who he is. And he says, and he stops by a well, because back then, if you wanted to meet people, you went to a well, because that's where everybody hung out, because that's where you got your drink for yourself, drink for your animals. So he bumps into people who know Laban, and he says, oh, look, here comes Rachel, his daughter, a sheep herderess, a sheep herderess, a herder of sheep herself. And Jacob looks over. And what he sees when he sees Rachel, his mouth drops open, his eyes get wide. A big smile comes on his face because you know what? Well, if you come back next week, we'll find out what Jacob sees. But I just want to encourage you, whatever age you're at, if you've not asked Jesus to save you, you've got to encounter the living God and the best way, the only way to encounter him is to take that first step of faith and to say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in his son, Jesus, who is the, the gate, the stairway to heaven. He's the one who connects heaven and earth. I've got to trust Jesus. And I want to encourage the rest of you who are listening to this, who do know the Lord is your Savior. Man, we've got to continue encountering God every day. And those promises of blessing... And that he'll be with us and he'll protect us. Those are ours today. We can claim those. And I can go to work. And I can face my physical and mental challenges with utmost hope. Why? Because I've got God standing right beside me. Man, I've got to hang on to that hope every day. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.